0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bijou Banter. Sorry for that brief delay. It is Friday, February 25th 2022, and in the Carrie Weiss studio, we got Orson Kai. Hello. Daniel Burger hoyer Hello. And we have another guest, finally. This is our second guest of the second semester, Bobby Kessler. Hello. And today on Bijou Banter, we are going to be talking about two pieces of media, the first one being Peacemaker Season 1, which it recently just ended its first season on HBO Max, and we're also going to be discussing Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is the ninth installment in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. And we're going to start off with Peacemaker, which is the latest entry into the DC Extended Universe and is also the first show in that series. And it was created by James Gunn, who also wrote and directed the recent Suicide Squad movie. And the cast includes John Cena, Daniel Brooks, Freddie Stroma, uh, Chiwuku, Iwuji Luji uh jennifer holland steven eggy and and robert patrick and the story or the plot i guess of peacemakers that picks up exactly where um the suicide squad left off and we are now on a new adventure with peacemaker only discover that there's this i don't even know the plot just goes in directions that are so and so crazy and it's so james gunn but first and foremost what did we think
1: i mean it's not unknown that i loved loved James Gunn's Suicide Squad. I'm literally wearing a shirt from it right now and it's a peacemaker theme for the special occasion. So I was very excited for this show and it's fantastic. Everything about it is awesome. I, you and I were talking about it Matthew a couple weeks ago. It's one of those shows where each episode which there's only what was it? 8.
0: Yeah, there's yeah, 8. Only 8. Yeah, eight.
1: Each episode is just as good or better than the previous. And I think that's very rare for TV shows. It keeps you on your toes. John Cena gives a fantastic performance. and J- oh, I mean, the whole cast gives great performances. And James Gunn is able to, as usual, take a character who's pretty bottom of the barrel and give them a lot of emotional depth. So I had a
2: fantastic time watching this. Honestly, i very really crammed in the show last night. I think I was up until like, what, 3 a.m. last night <laughs> just trying to like watch this whole thing. But it, it, it is a really enjoyable show. I mean, I'm thinking and kind of echo what you're saying. This is just pure James Gunn. I mean, James, and, you know, I'm kind of glad he doesn't have the restraint that he had with Marvel where it's like, you know, it's a studio film, but they want to kind of keep it like, you know, kid friendly yeah. or family friendly. Obviously Peacemaker is not family friendly. It is a very raunchy show. It it can even be somewhat offensive and somewhat off-putting sometimes. And it's just one of those shows. And I don't know. I enjoyed it. And I think the reason I enjoyed it was just because of the excessiveness of it. Because I think James Gunn just really knows how to have this style of being super excessive. And the characters are very interesting. I think my favorite one at the end of the day was uh, Freddie Stroma's Vigilante. I think yeah. the dude is just a sociopath in every single way, but it's just an interesting personality. It's kind of like Bender from Futurama, where it's like very, just doesn't care. He just wants to do things that are very despicable. And I think that's really the whole vibe of the show. It's like these people that are not necessarily great people, but they're, it's still an incredible show. I mean, it does have some issues, but otherwise, I really like the show.
3: Yeah, um, I was not looking forward to this, to be honest, because I, I liked The Suicide Squad, but like I was like, okay, it's just another James Gunn thing. I'm kind of over it. But one of my friends told me, like, no, this is actually good. Like, Check it out. And, of course, I loved it, because <laughs> like, I always underestimate James Gunn, and I'm like, oh, well, he's just going to make a James Gunn thing. And this is the most James Gunn James Gunn has ever James Gunned, but it's, <laughs> it's just a testimony to how talented he is as a writer, because he can make the most unlikable, problematic characters really empathetic in a way and that's how i felt about john cena's peacemaker because like his morality that had been enforced into him by his father is just so conflicting <laughs> and not okay but just all these scenes like him on the piano just playing a tune and like moments like these make him such a complex and awesome character and the whole dynamic with the crew is just just makes this show constantly fun to watch
1: yeah
0: yeah this is an excellent excellent show um i I really liked Peacemaker in the in the, in the movie Suicide Squad, um, but when I heard that he was going to get a spinoff show, not that I was not looking forward to it, but I was just like, okay, what could they do with this character to actually go into a longer, a long form series um, style? But leave it to James Gunn to like really just he he did it, and I, I'm I'm so shocked that he was able to pull it off this well because I honestly believe. Um, this is not only one of the best superhero shows I've seen, but it is easily my favorite thing in the entire DC Extended Universe. I think every single element of this show works in its favor in ways that are not only incredibly, incredibly funny. Like every single episode is just packed with jokes. Like there's it's one of those shows where it's like kind of like early Simpsons shows. Like you can go back and rewatch them and you'll still find new stuff that that's like you would just never saw before. But what I was really impressed with it, actually was how he was able to create this um, character study on, on Peacemaker and actually make it a bit, give it a bit more of a dramatic a dramatic tone to it that I wasn't expecting. It. Yes, it is very bloody. It's very violent. It's very raunchy. But at the same time, it is surprisingly thought provoking in terms of how it portrays superheroes in a way that's way more down to earth. But all, And also putting it in a semi-realistic setting where it's like, it's... It's not about someone like Superman or Spider-Man where it's very fantasized in a way. It's a bit more grounded and also taking the approach where it's like, oh, yeah, Peacemaker. So he's a very broken character, but you somehow manage to still be on his side despite his twisted morality. I think all the characters are not only just a lot of fun to be around, but they're just there's just this energy that emulates throughout the entire show. And it's it's one of those things where it's like it's only it's directly because of James Gunn. This is a this is a guy that has complete creative control over his over his films and his TV shows and just everything about it. And, and just every single element of James Gunn is present in this show.
1: One of the things I admired the most was well, first of all, Peacemaker actually started as fan fiction by James Gunn. I don't know if you guys knew that. He was so bored when the pandemic started, he mm-hmm. just wrote a Peacemaker show, and he's like, I don't think this is going to get picked up, and then. Uh, well into editing of the Suicide Squad Warner Brothers came and were like hey we're impressed with this do you want to give any of them a spinoff and he was like well here's eight scripts for Peacemaker so I think that's pretty funny but kind of going off of what you just said Matthew I like how James Gunn was able to deviate from like the fantastical movies he was doing like you know Guardians Cosmic Space whatever Suicide Squad very you know heightened with the giant starfish this really harkened back to what he was doing with like Troma, Slither, Super, mm-hmm. while also combining those elements of like some of those fantastical wonderments of the world. So I liked that he was able to do something a little more grounded, because kind of like what you said a few minutes ago, Bobby, James, I really liked James Gunn. He was kind of, you know, getting bigger and bigger, and sometimes you don't want to fly too close to the sun, I guess. And so it was nice that he was able to bring it back down for just a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the down there by really... Race- helps this show because obviously there's like and kind and uh, and it's obvious to compare these to like say the Marvel mini series at the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean you know, the Marvel mini series are so focused on trying to set up like the next big thing in the MCU and sometimes it gets incredibly convoluted and confusing where it's just like oh yeah this has to fit within this timeline. I mean the thing that DC has been doing that I think has been doing much better than Marvel is that they've been able to stand much well mm-hmm. on their own. Yeah. And because it's been proven that, like, say something like um, Shazam is able to stand on its own without having to worry about Batman be Superman or even like the Suicide Squad doesn't necessarily have to learn, worry about necessarily like being connected to the main overarching narrative with the DCEU. And I'm kind of glad that, you know, like this show really stays in its own lane and it doesn't try to like do too much of like referencing everything that has happened in, like, past films, but it's able, I mean, it does reference things, like, reference different characters, like, there's a lot of name drops here and there, but it doesn't, it doesn't drive the focus away, and I think that's, like, one thing that really helps the show is that it's able to kind of keep it on the characterization, which they're, they're endearing characters. I mean, John Cena, I never thought I would see him, like, act really good, and he's, because to be honest, like, Raspberry's turned actors are very hurt or miss. I mean, obviously, you can get somebody like The Rock who just has it on-screen charisma and is, like, able to bring in the big bucks all the time. Dave Bautista is honestly proving himself that he can actually act, like, really His well. Range. Yeah, he, yeah, he has good range. And John Cena hasn't been that guy for me, but I'm kind of glad that, you know, Peacemaker is a really fitting role for him because, like... And I saw it in the Suicide Squad, but it's like when you look at Peacemaker, it's like a giant action figure when you think about it. Like the bul- the bulged biceps and like the way this, how tight this shirt is. And it's like, yeah, this is a giant action figure, guys. This is not a superhero. And it's like, to be honest, like it really feels like that sometimes. And John Cena really just embraces that. Like he really embraces that along with all the other complexities that are in the character and i think it really really helps that the supporting cast is is really great too like i really, like i said freddy storm here steals every scene in the show and even like say the even like the whole tax force x thing with like bancord and um economist like there's it's super funny and they have like all these dynamics and when the finale comes you kind of see each of them, maybe apart from Vigilante, come into their own in some way, which I think was pretty impressive and how he did it.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I agree with what you were saying about John Cena, because I view John Cena very much as director-dependent right now, kind of like how... Well, Dave Dave Bautista's kind of come into his own more, but, like, John Cena, I see him in the Suicide Squad, he does a great job, and then I see him in uh, Fast 9, and I'm just uh, in shock. (laughs) But, (laughs) um, yeah, James, just another testimony to James Gunn and how he can just really bring the best out of so many people. And the whole camaraderie between the team is uh, very important to the heart of the show. And it was one of the things I was also fearing because in the Suicide Squad, my least favorite part of it was the whole team dynamic with Amanda Waller. I just, that's when I felt like it was the most James Gunn. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm over this. Just please just get What do this. you mean? Um, it's just, I felt like it was constantly quipping to a point where I was just like, okay, um, that's enough. Like, for yeah. me personally, I was I was mm-hmm. done.
1: That's a lot of people's complaints with the Guardians too. Mm-hmm, it's like it's mm-hmm. constantly just clips and jokes. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they're good clips and jokes. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, mean, that, that, I mean, at least you not know, like
2: try to drag. At, me at least, it's, but that's not, the thing. At least we're, it's not cringe. Like a lot of people in the minority. A lot of people
0: are in the minority about that. Really? About liking Guardians too. Apparently, I mean, people like it, but that's my favorite James Gunn film. Right. Honestly, huh. I love Guardians too. Um, yeah, but but speaking of incredible humor. Um, can we please talk about the opening credits of this oh,
2: show? Oh Which yeah. is yes. th- it's the freaking scene stealer of like every single episode. Which isn't to say that every episode is bad, but the opening song and the way like everything is choreographed is amazing. Like it's like I really like the style, of, like '80s hair metal in this show.
1: I like how he even confirmed he's gonna have he's gonna do another one. Oh good, season good. two. Because yeah. if you, I mean, if you think about it, I don't want to say spoilers just because the show ended, but. There's a reason they have to do another dance. Yeah, definitely. Because just, they'll probably, I'm sure, bring in some new uh, cast members. So I'll be curious to see uh, what song they choose.
0: It it perfectly sets the tone and vibe of what oh, you are yeah. going to expect. Because I, I mean, as soon as that, that opening credits appeared in the first episode, I immediately knew that this show was going to be better than any of the Marvel shows combined. I immediately oh, yeah. knew, just because like it knows what it is. This is perfectly setting the stage for what you're going to expect in these next eight episodes. And it's the only show I've ever seen in my life where I literally refused to hit the skip intro button. I watched through that every single episode and I never got tired of it just because it is just so perfect in terms of how it encapsulates that show and just the humor and just yeah. the style and the vibes and everything. And just the fact that they're all straight faced doing these like really stupid dance moves.
2: And the fact that they bring in, like, every single character, even, like, the ones that are not missing. Yeah. Yeah, like Everybody yeah. is literally the there. <laughs> yeah, like, they really bring in everybody, which I find to be pretty impressive. Like, I think that's like, I, that really is the testament like, the show is about, like, all these characters are together in this kind of, this really in a, in a show that is very off-putting and very off-guilter, but it really embraces what it is. I mean, kind of like, you know, how hair metal was kind of off kilter for some people like it really embraces that
3: yeah and the intro of the show is definitely just shows you that it's going to be the most James Gunn thing ever and just with um yeah just total James Gunn energy with all of his rock music and everything like that and kind of like not being afraid to take risks and just do something completely goofy from the beginning and yeah and definitely um I hate to keep bagging on the Marvel shows which I've enjoyed for the most part but um, this feels more like a personal kind of thing where it's like James Gunn had full control over this rather than being as concerned with being in that uh, overall universe like you were talking about. And having that freedom, just being able to embrace all of the best sides of James Gunn, whether that's the trauma stuff or mm-hmm. the Guardian stuff, being able to bring it all together in such a perfect culmination just really makes the show how, as good as it is.
1: Well, I think you even look at Guardians, too, and that's not really that connected Besides, again, a couple name drops in the first movie and the second movie, and obviously the Thanos cameo. I think that's what James Gunn does so well. He doesn't need to worry about being connected. And obviously the state of the DC universe is very different from Marvel, but I like how he can just, he doesn't need to connect to bigger things. Sure, you can name drop or you can have cool cameos, but at the same time, make it its own story. I think that's what he does so well as a writer. He doesn't have to rely on all these connections and stuff.
0: We're going to transition into a quick PSA, and we'll be right back with more Bijou Banter. Welcome back to Bijou Banter. We are continuing our conversation on Peacemaker. And I think one of the things that really I found very impressive about the show is that each... And we kind of alluded to this earlier. Each episode manages to be either just as good or improves upon the mm-hmm. previous episode, which is rare. It's like for that reason... Um, it's one of the few shows where I was genuinely really, really excited each week to see the next episode. Yeah. Because even shows that I really love, like, there's there's always, like, that period where it's like, oh, it's a bit of a lull episode. It's like, eh, I'm not really looking forward to see what happens next. Not with Peacemaker. Every single episode, it's just, like, it, it constantly improves and builds up on just sort of the craziness that happens. And I guess for that, in, on that along that through, um, what would you consider your favorite episode? Of
1: the show? I'd go episode six. I just thought that one was really fun a lot of high stakes and anxiety when they're climbing through the trees and stuff. And then it has, I think, the best sequence. well, there are some great sequences in the show, but the one that really, even thinking about it now, that just sends chills down my spine is um, the scene where, let's just say, people are walking and smiling. You know what see, I'm talking about? Yeah, the, mm-hmm. yeah. I just think something about that scene is just the way James Gunn shot it and like, what is going on is absolutely terrifying. Uh, to me, it just—it's creepy and it's awesome and total James Gunn. So I'd say that one because I just felt the stakes in my. Obviously, Episode Eight did a lot of things, but that one um, I just remember being on the edge of my seat the whole entire time.
2: Yeah, I mean, as as impressed I was with like Episode Eight and how it like had like all the arcs kind of coming together. Like each character has like their own mini arc. Episode Seven, I think, is the one that I was very intrigued with because mm, I think good. it's where you get the confrontation with his uh, dad and kind of like you know how a lot of what his dad has done to him and has kind of hurt him. And, you know, it even can be said, like, for the ending of episode eight, too, where, I mean, the ending shot practically encapsulates the whole show. Like, really does, like, at least the whole character in some way. And I think that episode seven really is emblematic of that because you're kind of seeing the conflicts. That are going on internally inside Peacemaker and externally um, in front of them. And I think it really works. And also, it's like really well action packed. And, you know, there are times like I would say, I mean, this is a little bit of a critique of the show. I think they do drag on some jokes a little bit too long. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, I don't think it's not necessarily a big issue because, I mean, luckily, they, they save the rest of the dragging for like the post credit type stuff mm-hmm. that goes on. Which you know is funny, but sometimes like it can go on for a little bit too long. This is like one of those episodes where it's like it doesn't feel like it's trying to waste your time. I think everything is kind of very dramatic, and it's kind of I really like the penultimate episodes of like mini shows. It's kind of like how the Two Towers is the Return of the King, like Two ta- Return of the King, great ending, but Two Towers definitely helped build everything up for the biggest finale. So I think that really helped.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and I hate to choose the popular pick, but uh, I definitely think the the final episode is my favorite one because it just it just um, the, the entire show is just building up to such a big finale, and I feel like everything just pays off in the best ways possible. And I just love how like all these little things that were referenced throughout the earlier parts of the season, like things you might not expect to be carried over, are. And like we were also mentioning earlier, like this show definitely does a good job of not having a lot of filler. And even though like I love the Daredevil series and a lot of those Netflix kind of series, um, I feel like...
1: Those are like four episodes too long. Yeah, Yeah, they're always
3: like at least four episodes too long. And this one is like very tight, very short, like 40 minute episodes. I think that's just perfect. And yeah, just really solid.
1: Well, yeah, you look at like the Disney stuff with what they're doing. They're really only doing like six episodes. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that necessarily works because... And then the Daredevil stuff, which again, I thought Daredevil was great. A couple episodes too long, so I I agree with you. Was that eight episodes is perfect? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know, and I think, like I said, my criticism of just things dragging a bit, that is not necessary in the whole story. I think it's just the fact that sometimes they do have to drag some things out in order to, like you know, fill up that time that they need. But like I said, I think it really is a very complete story of these characters and like how these characters are going through their own personal dynamics, and I think that's what's done pretty well. Despite the fact that, you know, all the humor still works, despite the fact that it's dragged out, and, like, it's still really good action. I think they do a really good job. Like, apparently, uh, the actress that played... Bancourt actually did competitive gymnastics, so yeah, like yeah. you, even you, you get to see that on display.
1: And she's engaged to James Gunn. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: You, like you never get the feeling that any of the characters overshadow each other, which I think really helps because these every single character, their identities are so specific, which is like every James Gunn movie or every James Gunn character. I feel like, um, not that that's a bad thing, but. They they balance it very very well. You never, even though Peacemaker is such is so egotistical and like it's so narcissistic at times, you never feel like he's like hogging the spotlight in a way. He's st- like the dialogue and just the dynamics between all the characters still allows um, every single character to shine. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, especially I think... even like some of the like the characters that you would are I guess more of the straight men in a way, especially like Task Force X. Like they still have this ability to be just as quippy but in different in different ways
2: yeah i mean i think the it's bouncing off of that i think really the whole show is really about ego in some way because each character is kind of going over their own personal dynamic in some way whether it's for better or for worse and you know and you can kind of see how it affects each of them individually i mean because a lot of it could be like self-confidence a lot of it could just be like you know loosening up a bit or you know being truthful to being truthful to um your teammates, I mean, it really is something that, you know, a lot of these characters really have to overcome. Like, even Vigilante overcomes this in the episode where he sneaks into the prison because, yeah. He, yeah, because a lot of them really do come over those little personal arcs. And it all has to do with the theme of like narcissism and egoism.
0: Which usually that's like a big theme when it comes to like superheroes in general. Like, e- even so, like you could argue that even some like the best superheroes, like, in these universes, there is this sense of entitlement, especially it's like, oh, yeah, I'm saving the world. I'm doing great things. I'm stopping wars. I'm like contributing to world peace. But this one, like, it, it goes down a, an end that's a bit more nihilistic, but it never appears like cynical or unlikable, which is also why I really liked the, the new Suicide Squads. They had a very nihilistic tone, but it was never like, you never felt like unclean watching it, though. You hmm. still managed to really care about these characters, even though they all do horrible things and they're really just horrible people which was not reflected in the original Suicide Squad, by the way, but James Gunn managed to do that really well. Did you have any downsides to the show? Um, I'd, I'd have to think about it just because, like, even... I, I think maybe some some subplots, and I can't... Unfortunately, I can't name any off the top of my head, probably went on a bit too long. And also, mm-hmm. uh, some, some things they just... They intentionally don't tie up, mostly because they're probably going to save it for season two. But it's one of those shows where it's like it's just there's so it's so much fun when you're watching like you're able to sort of like suspend your disbelief and also kind of not necessarily ignore all criticism and flaws, but you're able to forgive them a lot more.
1: Yeah, I'd say kind of when you're talking about tying things up, again, I don't want to spoil it since it's a pretty fresh series. There's something in the very end after they complete their mission that I was like well what does that mean like what's the outcome of that you know what I'm talking about because they say what they're doing is worldwide they even show it's in different countries it's like what happens in those different countries not that you know you have to really spend a whole episode on it but you can just have two minutes of kicker saying oh yeah this is what happened I think also some of the acting's a little cringy it's not especially with the kids stuff and uh, the flashbacks
0: Oh, mm-hmm.
1: and like, especially the last episode where he's praying and he's like making his like life motto. I just thought that that was very cringy, but that's kid actors for you sometimes.
2: I'm guessing for me, um, and I'm not sure if you guys feel the same way, but I think the use of judo master could have, you, I think judo master could have been utilized a little bit more. Well, he was supposed to die. Yeah. And
1: then James Gunn just liked the actor so much. He's <laughs> yeah. like, eh, I guess you can stay around. Yeah. It. I mean,
2: <laughs> obviously. Yeah. But it's like, I think if you're going to keep that character around, at least have him do something that is like of purpose. I mean, because obviously he had a lot of purpose in like the first episode he was in, but it just kind of felt like that you know he didn't really do much. And you know, yeah. if, if James Gunn really wants to keep this character around and keep this actor around, I think there could have been more utilization with what he was doing. Like, why does he neces? Why is he doing what he's doing? I mean, it is kind of a mystery that maybe will be explored and. A potential next season of the show, which I it has been confirmed, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, so maybe it can be explored about why Juno Master is the way he is. But I kind of wish they utilized him a little bit more instead of just you know just kind of throwing him to the side and like, oh yeah, he's in this show. Like, like really, you for- I forget that he was even in this show up until the po- part where he's at the gas station. Like, <laughs> really. I, because like he just left a little impact on me in the later episodes, and I feel like they could have utilized him a little bit more.
3: Yeah, that is a good point. I really like that character, and I loved how he was always eating Flaming Hot Cheetos for some reason. It was just like a weird touch that I really liked. But yeah, I guess he never really reached the full potential that he could have. I mean, my main complaint with the series, if I had to pick one, is very minor, but is um, the use of some of the flashbacks where it's there's some kind of revelation, and then they have to flash back to a past moment in the series. And to me, that's... Something that doesn't really it kind of shows that there isn't as much faith in the audience knowing what that was. Granted, that's something very common in a lot of episodic TV to remind the audience, but I feel like it kind of reminded me of how in Joker, once you find out that he's been hallucinating this relationship, they have to flash back every single time to when she's not in the scenes. It's
1: like, oh my gosh, why'd they do What that? what scenes <laughs> did they flash back on? Um, I'm just
3: remembering oh my gosh. I just watched this this morning. I just finished it up, but <laughs> I just I know there was one toward the end where um he was like they flash back to his childhood oh, multiple times at yeah. like the same moment it's oh, like okay right, i understand right.
0: well, and they, they had already flashed back to in a previous episode too mm-hmm. regarding his past
1: i think another another complaint i saw and i kind of agree with this now looking back vigilante doesn't really do much like you look at all the characters and you're like okay they grow into better people well no you look and they grow into different people like uh hardcore becomes like kind of nicer economos gains more confidence peacemaker isn't as egotistical whatever vigilante's just kind of there to be the comedic relief i think that's his point though just because he he wants to be the cool superhero he doesn't do anything no i get that but they maybe i hope in season two they'll give him a little more to do than just be like the guy that like says kind of weird things i mean he was great i loved him but just maybe actually some real character
0: development. I, i think they probably will but that's but I think that was honestly his point of being there is just because he literally did nothing, but he just wanted to do fun stuff with Peacemaker. Like, oh, yeah, I want to go save the world. I want to go beat up bad guys. It's like sort of that inner child that we all have of like, oh, if we would, if we were to really be a superhero, this is probably what it would be like. But no, you actually have to really think about and strategize your your goals and your, yeah. and your morality. And Vigilante doesn't do that. He just doesn't care.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really think like the only episode, that, like I said, that really does kind of show the mini arc is just like the episode where he breaks into prison. Though. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, that's really the only part. But to be honest, like I, I think I'm fine with this character being static. Mm-hmm. I mean, because like everybody else, I mean, as much as I do like dynamic characters, there are some characters that you know when they remained unchanged, I think it really serves them better. Um, and that was, and that's what adds some more memorability sometimes. Um. And obviously, yeah, you want to fluctuate between certain things um, that, you know, need that obviously just need to change, like, you know, like, like, obviously, we want to know a little bit more about who he is, but I don't want it to be like, say, he's overcoming personal conflicts. I mean, obviously, he, there probably will be something in the next season, but to be honest, I think this is a character I'm fine with being static. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're just about out of time on Peacemaker, unfortunately. I wish we could talk about this a bit more, but we got something else to talk about after this film. <laughs> um, final thoughts?
1: I mean, I love it. I, I think James Gunn is my favorite filmmaker. I love him, and I love the work he's able to do. And this, again, just proved that he, I, in my opinion, he's a better fit with the DC stuff right now. I mean, Guardians is my most anticipated movie that's been confirmed, so I'm excited to see that next year. But I... Like i think we said this earlier he just is able to break more free from that family friendly mold and his humor is just completely different when he's doing this stuff and it relates more to me so i loved peacemaker i'm gonna go nine out of ten
2: yeah i mean this show is very typical james gunn and i think that's probably the greatest thing about it it really fits in with the style of writing and the style of directing that really you know is really nice to look at and i really enjoy um, the characters John Cena really puts in a really good performance. Um, along with a lot of the other actors, like I said, I really like Freddie Stiller as um, um Vigilante. I really like Roger, Robert Patrick as a, uh, um, Peacemaker's father. I mean, this a real, it's a is a really good cast, and I think the fact that you know the theme of egoism and how the characters overcome it is very interesting and very compelling, and I think that this. This is a show I'm actually looking forward to seeing what they do for the next season, and so I'm thinking I'm going to give it also a 9 out of 10.
3: Yeah, James Gunn is at his best when he just gets to go full James Gunn and DC is just giving him the opportunity to do whatever he wants with their toolbox. And so, yeah, it's just uh, constantly great, really liking it. Um, Keep hitting them home runs, James Gunn. I would go 8 out of 10.
0: I really, really liked it. I thought it was just a ton of fun from just beginning to end. I think every – Every single episode works in some way. Sure, there, like every show, there are duds, but the duds are few and far between just because James Gunn clearly knew what he was doing. Warner Brothers and DC let him make what he wanted to make, and I think this shows. I think this is what more studios, not just in the realm of like comic books, but studios should should be doing, letting their directors or their writers make what they want to make. And just, if they have to interfere, of course, they, that's their job, but at the same time, like still re- give them some mostly creative control if they do look at what look at what you you can make out of that and i think peacemaker is living proof it is such a fun time uh if you would like to it's streaming on hbo max and it seems like we all highly recommend doing so if you'd like to and i'm also going to give it a nine out of ten so we're going to move on from peacemaker to another streaming service this time netflix and we're going to be talking about a movie called texas chainsaw massacre which came out last week on On netflix which is a sequel to the 1974 horror classic of the same name as the ninth installment overall and it stars sarah yarkin elsie fisher and mark brown amongst others and coming from imdb after nearly 50 years of hiding letterface returns to terrorize a group of idealistic young friends who accidentally disrupt his carefully shielded world in a remote texas town what do we think okay I'm a huge horror fanatic, and Matthew and I were literally having a conversation about this yesterday,
1: how I tend to be more forgiving for horror movies, because I just know that they hold a special place in my heart. I liked it. I didn't think it was terrible. I was watching it, and I, you know, what do you expect going into this movie? Like, do you expect, well, I'm wanting King Lear of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No, you go in to watch stupid people bother this guy so he'll kill them. That's what you expect from these kind of movies. And most of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies aren't really that good. The first two, very fun. And so for the most part, I had a nice time watching this, the bus scene. I have never (laughs) seen anything like that before. I calculated this out yesterday. I think I've seen over 500 horror movies. I've never really seen anything like that before in a horror movie. It was, and this sounds weird, it was very, It was visually appealing to someone that likes these kind of movies because they went crazy with it. Is everything great in the movie? No. There's some really weak spots, but I had fun watching it. It's, It's clearly so trying to copy the new Halloween saga with like what they're trying to do. And a certain character they bring back, we'll probably get into, is first of all wasted and very cringeworthy. But yeah, I had fun watching it.
2: This is phenomenally stupid, <laughs> <laughs> but I can't help but enjoy it. um this is just honestly, there is a lot of things that' like that obvious about in this movie. I mean, the acting is not really that good, maybe apart from Eslie Fisher, like who was in Bo Burnham's eighth grade. um yeah. I mean and i, I really like the guy who played a Weatherface as well, um but it just felt like this whole movie is just trying to get everything over with. Like, okay, yeah, we know these characters are incredibly frickin' stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, and we, we know that, what? And we know, obviously, what the whole allegory with, like, the Confederate flag in that one scene is. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, like, we, we know it's, it's in your face. And very in your face. And the characters are not, like, likable enough where they're gonna leave an impact. But... It is entertaining. I think just in the most bad way because there's just a lot of things that are phenomenally stupid in the climax, like really. The whole cancel culture joke. (laughs) I mean, it's... And then it honestly made that scene entertaining because it's just so cheesy. Like, if you do this, you'll get canceled. It's like...
1: And then the comments on
2: the the live stream. (laughs) This is so fake. Yeah, my God. It's just phenomenally stupid. But I can't help but enjoy it.
3: Yeah, I'm also a really big horror fan. So um, I really love the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, second one, not as much. And I saw the Texas Chainsaw 3D, which was just...
1: That's terrible. Something special.
3: Yeah, but this one, I feel like it has a bit of an identity crisis because it's kind of caught between wanting to do something really schlocky and fun with all the gore, which the gore, I love all the gore in this movie. It's so much fun. Mm. But then it also has this like serious angle that it's trying to go for. And like there's both trying to do satirical elements on gen z almost as well as there's a there's a character in the movie who has a tragic backstory and the way they handle that character oh, yeah. i found to be really distasteful the way they took her arc toward the end of the movie oh yeah but i mean if you're going to into this just for the gore and stuff like that i feel like it definitely delivers and i completely agree that bus scene with like the neon lights and limbs just going all over the place that's that's what I go to a cheesy horror movie for. So I, I enjoyed it
0: overall. I'm excited to hear this, Matthew. Yeah, like, <laughs> all I'm, right. I'm glad y'all had a fun time. I hated this. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. I really okay. And to get to where where I'm gonna put this? Up. So how am I gonna put this? I've seen I've only seen one Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, which I really like. I think it's genuinely a terrifying <laughs> horror film. It's I finally gen- looked at your letterbox. <laughs> it's genuinely horrifying. <laughs> Because of what you don't see, and it's more just pure terror, but this is the complete antithesis, and like I said, I have not seen the other sequels um I've heard they're not they're nothing like the original no. but every single thing about this movie is just not it's just bad it's just nothing about it necessarily made me angry. This wasn't a scenario like Space Jam Two or the Lodge or Don't Look up, where it genuinely made me furious.
2: well, it's just I just part- love those movies oh so. no, yeah, I do <laughs> yeah
0: no no no, no, no. but. Um, it's just pure incompetence on every single level. Um, the story is is garbage. The characters are garbage. The kills are garbage. This is... It's not scary. First of all, yeah, it's not scary. It's overly bloody. And also, too, it's just incredibly silly. It's incredibly yeah. silly and cringe. The first kill when um, it's the, the police officer or the guy in the ambulance... The, the arm! Get, the God. arm. It's so dumb. Like, I started laughing. You thought that laughing. was dumb? Yeah. That was I awesome. thought, yeah when <laughs> that, I
1: don't know if this happened to you, Bobby, but when... He did that when he snapped the arm. I literally was like, I, I, I mean, I can't say what I said on air, but like I, I let <laughs> out something, because yeah. it didn't necessarily scare me, but I did not
0: expect it because of how la- graphic it was. It's mm-hmm. graphic, but it's like laughable though, because it's just so inept. It's so dumb. And that's not, and I'm only basing it off the original, but it's like, since I have that only that one film in my mind, nothing about that. It's just like every single thing that made the original so effective is done the complete opposite way and not effective in the slightest. The music sucks too, by it's the way. Weird. Every time they're they have to, the
1: kills. They're trying to copy John Carpenter. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: most
2: definitely. Yeah, no, no.
0: I, I haven't seen the 2018 Halloween, but I've seen the original Halloween, and it could tell, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of inspired Halloween in some ways because it came mm. before in terms of slasher movies, but, but g- going back to, the, to, this, to this piece of garbage, oh, um, <laughs> uh, what else? Yeah, what, what I especially found offensive is that what well, you said, Bob, you alluded to this too, it, does, it takes itself way too seriously. Way too seriously. If this, if this was self-aware, kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is apparently, yeah. maybe it would have been a bit more serviceable. But when you try to shoehorn this sappy, overdramatic stuff regarding Elsie Fisher's character in a very disrespectful and very distasteful way, and I don't even think I could tell what it is on this show. No. But it's just, it's unnecessary. You try to give this one character any sort of development, despite not, her not doing a single thing in the movie, pretty much. And all the other characters just get killed off one by one, which is, of course, what you want to see in a slasher film. But they're just so annoying and so cringy and just so irredeemable, too. And don't even get me started on how they put in, like, social media and woke culture into this, into this film about a guy carrying a chainsaw and just murdering people. It's just so cringy on every single level. The, the actress... What about
1: well, the one they had playing the original character? Because obviously the original actress passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, the, they the, brought in someone new. She's terrible. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's bad. Serious. Horrible. The, there's a scene I was telling you about yesterday before you saw the movie where she like shoots Leatherface or something and she gets him in the arm and she starts laughing hysterically. That <laughs> you, was really bad. It's not, that's not where her character was in the first and film. And then
0: it's the complete opposite. Let's just You're, say this is a fan fiction basically.
1: Okay. I'll suspend my disbelief on some things. I really will. There's something that happens with her. And I won't (laughs) say what, because the movie's, again, very new. And I I know people can check it out if they'd like to. What they did was absolutely ridiculous. And how they (laughs) try to play it out, I will not. They might as well just, like, have blown off half her torso. Yeah. And then, you know, do what they do. I thought it was very strange.
2: It's just. The thing that honestly, like, made me freaking, like, laugh. Super hard. At, and it was, it was after the bus scene, which, well, let's face it, that's an amazing scene. I think if there's anything we want to go yeah. into for gore, that is a scene to look at. Because I think that's what, you know, it's embracing what Texas Chainsaw Massacre is. And plus, I do wanted to, I did not want to see that canceled guy get killed. But <laughs> um, it's the scene where it's like, so the original main character arrives. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, they get into the back of the car. It's like, okay, let's go, you know? I'm going to kill this guy. I thought that was weird. Yeah, Yeah, that was so strange. And, like, you know, you could just leave. Yeah, yeah, there's so many opportunities to leave. Yeah, like, you don't even have to go to Texas anymore. The guy can't track you anywhere, like, unless he is very technologically proficient or something. Like, why? I mean, and plus, you're in an old car that probably doesn't have, like, that type of thing. You have a CB radio. (laughs) You're you're basically, obviously, behind the times. How is this guy going to find you if you already leave Texas? (laughs) <laughs> it's so inconsistent
0: though, because it's like, I I understand that this that this script is trying to be like, oh yeah, we're giving them a reason for them not to just simply escape from this town. It's like fair enough, but then they backpedal on that one. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna go fight these guys. Like, just you have the keys, leave or just run, dude. <laughs> like, you just do that. <laughs> like, I understand there's this suspension of disbelief when it comes to horror films, especially stuff like this where it's like you just want to go in for the kills. But the fact that they're trying to make it seem logical, but they can't even follow through on that, is just so frustrating. And also, the movie is just straight up boring in the second <laughs> half. Nothing happens. Nothing gets accomplished. I don't know. That's There's where no... I was entertained. I don't know. What... what, the second half? Well, the second half was so bonkers. But at the same time, it's just like, it's so unbelievably stupid. It, I, It's just, it's boring, though. And that's what's surprising, too. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is basically, it follows a similar plot in terms of how the characters get there. But first of all, the characters aren't complete tools. It's never boring though. It's like it's always engaging, just because of how they use the sets and how they use sound and just pure, like, pure scariness without showing anything. I think that's what really frustrates me is that like all the scares come from the violence that you see on the screen, but that's not what that's not what's scary though. That's not what made the original so scary and made the original such a classic. And that's what frustrates me so much about this movie.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when comparing this to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's kind of an abomination. <laughs> like, kind, yeah, kind, is, of. That <laughs> kind of? Kind <laughs> of. <But, laughs> kind. But like, I don't know, when going in for just kind of like slasher movie of the week, kind of like what the later sequels of all these horror franchises have been, I think it kind of delivers. But something I'll say is... It's so desperately trying to jump on the trend of the legacy sequel, yeah. Halloween 2018, Terminator Dark Fate. And in this case, the way they handle it is so bizarre that it almost comes off as satire of these it legacy up sequels. It comes as a parody. Yeah, because it's just, they make the character so useless that it's like, I just don't understand why they even bring her back. Maybe just add runtime because it's only 80 minutes long. So I guess it would only be 60 Ed minutes or Ed so. to run but. time to the 81-minute
0: movie. I I like,
1: <laughs> what I said a couple minutes ago, the original actress is dead. Why mm-hmm. would you try? I, I I, wouldn't say it's distasteful because obviously we've seen this done before where a celebrity will pass away. Maybe they'll try and do a prequel, but they'll cast someone new. Or you know, even look at the Han Solo situation where they got that one guy, Alden Erich, Ehrenreich. I just don't think this was a good call to like do it because, again, what you said, it didn't add anything. You just had a character there to obviously copy what Halloween 2018 did.
0: We're going to transition into a quick grand spot and be right back with more Bijou Banter. Welcome back to Bijou Banter. We are continuing our conversation on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think another problem I have with this movie, too, is that it just looks astoundingly cheap. Just on every single level. It's like, I know there's a lot of low-budget horror out there, especially in terms of, like, legacy sequels. And also, too, we've talked about many times, like, Blumhouse movies, too. But this one's, like, considering you're trying to go for, like... I. Granted, it is sort of ambitious, ambitious in terms of its location, and I don't know how much this movie costs to make. My guess is probably not a lot, but every single set just looked incredibly phony, and also the gore too. It just looked, it just looked, it it looked bad. It's like I know it's not supposed to look realistic, obviously, because it's a horror movie, but it just looks shockingly cheap for a film like mm. this, especially for. I, I know originally it wasn't supposed to come out to Netflix. It was they wanted to release it in theaters. Originally, was, I that, think, was that the intention? Yeah, I think
1: so. There were a lot of problems with this movie. Like, they fired the original directors a week into production. Wow. That's not yeah. bad. It was like two brothers or something, and they fired them because they didn't like what they were filming. You, which... you
0: could kind of tell, actually, though. Yeah. Because if, yeah. if maybe they had the original directors, maybe it would have been more in line with their vision, in quotes. Mm-hmm. But um, it just, it's so uneven in the direction, too. And the script. like. It's just it can't be that hard. I'm sorry. It can't be that hard to come up with the plot. Exactly. It's like, well, it's, it's essentially the same thing as the original just done in modern times, but you made it worse. So then like here's, that's p- impressive. Okay.
1: So here's my question for you then, I guess for all of you. Yeah. Do you do a sequel to this or do you reboot it again in like five years?
0: Cause I, I think is, you should this, just leave it alone. This is now,
1: <laughs> this is now the third reboot of the Texas chainsaw where they try to say, oh, well, all the other sequels are not canon, but the first is. it's the third. Mm-hmm. So what do you think?
0: I think you should just leave classics alone. I really do. This is living proof that you don't need to reboot everything. And if you do, do it with some respect and make it more in line with what the original stood for, not this, which is the complete antithesis to what the original stood for.
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm guessing for me, it's like, you know, just don't even continue, like, the main story, I guess. I mean, I think that's... Because to be honest, I think I... Like I said, I'm not a necessary somebody like... I watch war movies, but I'm never really that terrified by them. I mean, there's only a few movies I can do that. Like, Exorcist, I can be legit terrified by. Texas Chainsaw, like, I have a lot of respect for the first film. And I mean, it is a really good movie. It's never anything I'm, like, scared by. Um, And, like, the whole thing, it's like, I'm in it for the gore. I'm in it for, like, the bonkers situation. And I'm guessing for me, it's like, you know, you can kind of keep the whole idea of Leatherface, but just don't even try to, like, you know, make something that's like a direct sequel to the original um because I think that's what immediately kills like the whole vibe of the film it's like oh it this is a guy who's been hiding for about 50 years, apparently. What, what do you think he's been doing yeah, in that is he, time? What has
0: Leatherface <laughs> been doing, like, for the well, you said, for the past 40 years? Just, like, chilling out in this home? There's, like, no food. There's, like, no water yeah, sources I mean, anywhere. And still, How is he not dead? And <laughs>
2: it's still behind the times that, like, I guarantee if you get that guy an iPhone, like, he'll have no idea what to do with it. Like. He just had a
0: bad day and started killing people. It's <laughs> the first time in 40 years that this has happened. You're telling me this didn't happen, like, before?
2: Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was just sitting in my home at Dindy. Gen Z guys Then the Gen came. Z's coming up in their <laughs>
0: electric Tesla car. Yeah,
2: and then they, they come in and just, like, say, hey, like, uh, hey, we want to use your house, and, oop, oh, we killed your mom. Sorry about that, but, hey, I mean, I, we could take you to the hospital and not have you under surveillance to make, be sure you're not gonna kill anybody. Oops, you did that again? Well, I guess we're just stuck with him.
1: I'll let you know, Daniel, they're doing a legacy trilogy to The Exorcist Zone.
2: Are they great. actually? They
1: actually are. Uh,
0: that, that's heresy. At Blumhouse.
2: That's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, that
0: deserves an exorcism.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh... I mean, as far as like, whether to reboot or make a sequel, I completely agree as far as like, don't. <laughs> but <laughs> they're going to because it's Hollywood. So, I mean, I would say I'm, I've grown very cynical on the legacy sequels. I'm over it using this nostalgia bait to try to get people back. And especially in this case when it's not even the same actors. I just don't even see the point. But I would say go back to the roots. Just do something with the family because I feel like there's such a fascination with just Leatherface, but it's like that whole family messed up dynamic from the original is what made it so haunting in a way. It's like, bring it back to that because they have the mother in this, but she's not in the movie for very long and she doesn't exactly have the most riveting role or anything. So just try to go back to the roots and make it scary again. You should see some of the sequels. You don't even get
0: the... (laughs) Sorry, but you don't even get the impression that it's, like, in the same canon, though, because it just feels so disconnected. Because, like, what what made Leatherface, like, Leatherface is seen as a horror icon, but Leatherface on his own isn't what made the original so scary. It's just the overall tone, mood, and vibe.
1: And it's because they marketed it as, it's real. But it's it's not, I mean, I don't think it's, like, really that accurate, but it's because they did Inspired, but it's
0: kind of like Fargo type thing, but it's, like... It's the tone, it's the mood, it's the vibe, it's just the overall aura of that movie that made it so scary. Yeah, and even and you didn't, they didn't even attempt to do that here.
2: Yeah, I mean, even the low budget vibe really adds to the rawness of it. Like when you think about it, because I think, I mean, that's how Evil Dead ended up being so successful because Mm -hmm. it was so Mm -hmm. low budget that they really ended up having to have a lot of limitations. That maybe some some actors ended up getting injured in the process of that film. That's true. So it's like, yeah, I mean. It had that vibe with it, but when you try to make something as low-budget into a studio film that makes it look... I mean, the cinematography is kind of generic in this film. Like, it's a little bit... I
1: thought there were some cool shots. Oh, yeah, I mean,
2: there were, but at least in the beginning, it's like, there are things that are very generic. And it's like, because it's like where... Because when you mentioned that those two directors got fired a week into production, and that's probably where the studio had to take a lot of control over the film and just, you know, make it look so boring up until the climax. One, of the,
1: nice. one of the things I'm surprised by, actually, was that the main main producer on this was the guy, I'm going to blank on his name, it's like Fede Fede, something he was anyway he was the guy that did the evil dead remake in oh, 2013. Uh, oh, which, yeah which mm-hmm. i'll actually i'll be in the minority i think it's a it's an okay remake it's not terrible it's just very different from what the rest of the series is which is goofy and silly that one's full-on serious mm-hmm. but again it's an okay one that's rebooting he should have done it i think he would have brought an interesting perspective to it i think he also did one a couple of years ago called crawl i
0: think yeah. he did don't did he do don't breathe
1: he did even don't, he would, don't ma- okay yeah, well yeah, i didn't did really don't really care for that one too. but either way yeah. he would i think he would have been a better choice
0: uh, yeah, this this movie's just, it's just a mess. It really is just a mess of just, like, boring, a- atrocious nonsense, honestly. like
2: oh, I think that's what makes it enjoyable for me, because, you know, some things like horror movies are very nonsensical sometimes. You, and, you oh. Know, I'll you, laugh at it.
1: You want to know who starred in the fourth Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Matthew McConaughey.
2: Oh,
0: uh, no, I did hear about that, yeah. It's terrible. I know but... the second one has Dennis <laughs> Hopper. Yeah,
1: there's also Arlie Army
0: stars in two of the reboots. Oh, um, uh... The the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Oh, I should go check those out now. Yeah, no. I, really? think
2: I I really want him to like you know just bring Leatherface into like a whole uh, drill sergeant routine and just tell him you gotta kneel down right now. He
1: actually kind of <laughs> does that. <No laughs> joke.
2: Really? Oh, okay. kind of. Well, he's like one of the bad guys, but yeah. I would love to see that to be honest, and kind of lie.
0: <laughs> We're just about at a time for our conversation on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. So final thoughts.
1: It's not going to be in my top ten, but. I was surprised when people started saying it was one of the worst movies of like mainstream horror in the past couple of years. And I was like, whoa, that's going to be interesting to see. It's not, I don't think it's that bad. Fantasy Island 2020 was a whole lot worse than this. I had fun with it. The the bus scene is just amazing and it's not great, but you have to go in knowing what you're going to get out of it. Because if you think you're going to get some, you know, highbrow horror, like Get Out or Hereditary, you're going to be disappointed. But for me, it was just fun. I'm going to give this Texas Chainsaw Massacre a six out of 10.
2: This is phenomenally stupid in the best way. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna be, keep saying that about this movie because everything is just done completely wrong. It tries to do everything from the Halloween saga that's been going on, um, which uh, to be honest, I'm not really a big fan of. Like, you know, trying to. I mean, I, I like these. I like the these horror movie characters, but don't try to like continue the story so much. I mean, have different iterations if you need to, but I mean, it tries to do that. It it tries to be overly serious it tries to it tries so hard but when it fails i just can't help but laugh at their failures um and it to be honest that's what i mean it might be worth a rewatch It's to kind of see it's and it's bad i mean even the studio probably knew it was going to be bad considering it's an hour 21 minutes so like i mean usually movies like this could be even longer but Honestly, I was entertained by it, but I think I enjoyed it ironically. Because I think, realistically, this would just be a 1 out of 10. But I think for So Bad It's, so bad it's Good, it's going to be an 8.
3: Yeah, the movie's at its best when it's not taking itself seriously, and all the kills I thought were really fun. But when it tries to take itself seriously and does so in really kind of disgusting ways, that's when it kind of turns me off and kind of ruins the overall enjoyment. I had fun but still very conflicted on a, conflicted on a lot of it so i would go four out of ten
0: uh, yeah not not good not good at all i would not recommend it in the slightest um a funny letterbox reveal <laughs> thank, thank you <laughs> um yeah honestly i do think this is one of the worst mainstream horror movies i've ever seen i really really do because it completely fails on every single level it's it is disrespectful in every single way it's poorly written poorly acted has a really terrible story laughable kills it's just every single thing this is something that a film professor should teach of like how steps like one through ten how not to make a horror film <laughs> it is that bad it is awful um do do not be surprised at all i won't be surprised at all if this makes it in my top five worst films of this year which is a bold statement considering we're only in february but i do believe it'll be make it that low as you can probably tell you could probably guess my rating one out of 10 awful oh, wow. awful trash <laughs> Anyway, that wraps up this conversation of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and this episode of Bijou Banter. Tune in next time where we're finally going to be talking about a great, uh, probably a great film called The Batman next week.
2: Don't jinx it. Yeah, don't, I won't jinx it.
0: Um, until, until next week, I've been Matthew. I've been Orson. I've been Daniel. I've been Bobby. And we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.